Lior Samfiro is a partner with uh, Labor Employment Practice Samfiro to Markin LLP. Good afternoon, Lior. Good afternoon, Brian. This is, this must be, I guess, for you as uh, as somebody in the labor and employment practice, a really fascinating case to look at. It is. It's fascinating as a as a, an employment law lawyer. As a, it's fascinating as a lawyer. It's fascinating as a boss. Uh, it has many aspects to it. And you know, I was I was thinking, what if my employee, someone that works for me did that? What if my lawyers did that? And there's some very serious ethical issues here, uh, not so much necessarily legalities, but certainly ethical issues that apply to everyone, but certainly apply to lawyers. And I think uh, uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould certainly crossed the line here, for sure. But did she cross an ethical line or a legal line? So legally speaking, uh, Brian, uh, she is allowed to record uh, a conversation that she is a part of. It is legal uh, in this province, in this country, to record a conversation uh, in secret, even if the other party doesn't know they're being recorded, so long as you are part of that conversation, even if that conversation involves involves more than two people. What is illegal is to record a conversation that you're not part of. So you are not allowed to record a conversation that I may be having with someone else privately. But if you and I are speaking, you can record it. So legally speaking, she did nothing wrong and, and she didn't break any law. But this is where it gets more interesting that from an ethical standpoint. Uh, lawyers generally are, are held to a very high ethical standard and there's a certain obligation to act in, in good faith. And in this situation, when she's recording someone secretly, and, and I'm not buying for a second that she did that just for the purpose of having a record because there was no one there taking notes. If she was concerned about making sure there was accuracy, she would have told Mr. Wernick that uh, she was recording. The fact that she did that without him knowing it, uh, without him being aware of it, tells me that she was doing that for her own purposes, for the purposes of trying to get some information that she could potentially use down the road to her advantage, uh, and then that she could direct the conversation in a certain way and, and to a certain place that she wanted to. So that does cross an ethical line, uh, as certainly as a lawyer, as, as a minister, and also as someone that has some obligations to those that she works for, certainly that crosses uh, several ethical lines, and, and I don't think anyone can dispute that. So, well, let's go back to the legality just for a second, because it is perfectly legal to, to record that conversation. I believe it's called one-party consent. But, That's but exactly what it's called. What happens when you decide to share that? Is there an and, illegality and there? Uh, so... Ultimately, first of all, a lawyer that's speaking with a client, uh, then that discussion is subject to solicitor-client privilege. And even though the lawyer can record the conversation, the lawyer cannot share that conversation. Now, in this particular situation, given the fact that Mr. Wernick uh, was not a minister, he was not a client. He was not part of the government, per se. So solicitor-client privilege did not apply here. Therefore, again, if we're talking just about legalities, it was not illegal for uh, for her to release that recording. Again, if she was speaking, let's say, with the prime minister, she would absolutely not be able to release that recording. That would be illegal in, in every way. But again, this is where we cross over to ethics. And not only is it, as I said, unethical and inappropriate to record a conversation uh, without the other person knowing, to then go and, and release it without their consent it then again crosses an even further ethical line. So I, I certainly think that uh, in releasing it, and she has shown that she was not just recording it for her own purposes, for the purposes of note-keeping. She had other intentions, uh, and from an ethical standpoint, that is a big concern. I, I guess in my mind I, I go, well, one person's idea that ethics are being breached is another person's I'm standing up against the power. 
it is. You're right that, you know, when it comes to ethics, uh, everyone's mileage may vary somewhat, whereas, you know, legal or not legal is, is more, uh, more easy to determine. That said, I, I do think that by, by the standards that lawyers generally are held to, uh, I don't think that it would be very controversial to say that recording a conversation with someone that has every reason to expect that conversation to be private and then going and releasing that conversation without that person's consent, when you probably knew all along that that's why you're doing it, does cross an ethical line. And I think the, the government's actions today uh, in, in uh, uh, dispatching Ms. Wilson-Raybould out of the Liberal caucus probably was based on, that, on those grounds. So I, I, I guess it's unusual to look at this as an employee-employer relationship, but it, would it make sense on, on that basis, their actions as well? Well, it would, uh, in the sense that uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould uh, served at the, at the pleasure, if you will, uh, of the prime minister. She served as a, as a minister at the pleasure of the prime minister. And, and in that sense, the relationship is akin to that of an employment relationship. And as, uh, as an employee, if you will, there are certain ethical obligations. I remember, of course, Mr. Warnick is not an employer. But to the extent that uh, what she was trying to do there is interfere or somehow potentially hurt her employer, quote-unquote, again, that is something that is a problem and something that, uh, while not illegal, may cause her employer, in this case uh, the prime minister, to question her loyalty, to question her ethics, and her suitability for continuing in her role. Absolutely. It is interesting that when, when someone chooses to record a conversation, because it's, it's not something you just do out of the blue. You will either believe that you need to keep a record of this conversation, just, I guess, for your own peace of mind, or you need to keep a record of this conversation because you feel it's going to prove something you'll need to prove down the line. That's the only two reasons to record that I can come up with. And those are exactly the reasons. I've spoken with many people over the years that, you know, we're discussing uh, important topics and they wanted to make sure that they get it right, that they don't miss anything, and they recorded a conversation. But in most, most of the time in those situations, you would tell the other party, just so you know, to make sure that I'm not missing something, I'm recording this conversation, and, and that's fine. In situations where it's a, it's a confidential, it's a secret recording, I think generally the second reason that you gave is more, the more likely one, that they're recording it for their own purpose, for their own benefit and advantage. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to, uh, to not tell the other party. Now, the flip side of that, and to be fair here, uh, Brian, usually when someone complains later on when they found out that they were being recorded, uh, I do have a bit of a problem with that as well. As ultimately, if you have nothing to hide, if you were, you were open and honest, you should not necessarily have a, a problem. It, it, it's not becoming to say, well, if I knew I was going to be recorded, I may have said something else. Uh, so I, I do tend to think that people that are, get upset at being recorded are ones that uh, are, are being caught saying something that they didn't want there to be a record of them saying, which also, of course, raises ethical considerations. Uh, but I, I have no doubt in my mind that the reason Ms. Wilson-Raybould recorded that conversation was for her own benefit. And and a, a lot of this, we got to be fair, has been lost in in the fuss over this. That I, I'm not necessarily one of those people who believes. Well, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. But I do believe in in some of what you say there, which is, if you're having a conversation with, in this case, the the Attorney General, and you're telling the truth, that's kind of the best defense ever. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that is the best defense, and it's probably the, uh, the defense that is often used the least. Uh, <laughs> there's always other, other excuses, reasons, and explanations. But I agree. If you're telling the truth, if you have, uh, you've been open and honest, then it shouldn't matter ultimately. I think, though, the reality is in most cases, and I think we can all think of examples from our personal lives, uh, when we speak on the phone, we may say certain things. When we speak privately, what we believe to be a private conversation, we may say things that we don't want to become known uh, in a wide or to the general public. And I think that applied to Mr. Warnick, and it would apply, I think, to most of us having that type of a conversation. Do you, uh, do you think there are lessons here for all of us, or is just this way too inside the Ottawa bubble? Well, I think nowadays when it's so easy to uh, record conversations, we're all walking around in our pockets or our phones, which is also a very handy-dandy recording device. Uh, I think that uh, these things are becoming more often. In my practice as employment lawyer, uh, an employment lawyer, I often have individuals coming to me with a recording here. So I recorded my boss saying this, or I went to, to the meeting with the HR manager, and here's what they said. So I think it's something we need to be aware of. If, if, we're, if we don't want what we say to be known, then we have to be careful what we say and how we say it and to who we say it, because ultimately uh, it can become uh, public very, very quickly. Purely out of interest's sake, uh, when, when a client comes to you with that kind of information, what can you do with it? Well, interestingly, is that uh, even though it is legal, as we said, to record a conversation, it may not be admissible in a court of law. Uh, the admissibility and legalities are, are separate issues. So in some cases, they're not admissible. That said, it could certainly be helpful to establish you know, if something was said, if something was done, because once I, uh, for example, if I'm dealing with a lawyer on the other side and I can show that their client said something, that lawyer is not allowed to put their client on the stand to say something different because they know it to be false. So in many cases, a recording like that can be used to a, a client's advantage. And I have had situations where I've told clients, you know, if you, if, if you believe that your boss is going to say this to you and, and they'll never put that in, in writing and they'll always deny it, record that conversation and uh, we can potentially use that then uh, to, the, to the advantage of the individual. It may not be admissible in court, but it could certainly be used in a negotiation, in other words. Absolutely, as leverage in a negotiation, uh, and it may be admissible in some cases. It's not; uh, you know, it may be considered to be hearsay, but it's still a nice thing to have in certain situations. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, Lior. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Lior Samfiru is a partner with Labor Room and Employment Practice at Samfiru Tumarkin LLP.